This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. What's up? What's up, everybody? Ricky Widmer here, along with the one, the only, Brandon Swy Swanson. Hey, hey, hey. And we are back as we always are for the Primetime Podcast here on MVP. If you're on YouTube, thank you for checking us out, giving us a view, watching us today. If you're on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, or Stitcher, thank you for the download. and Thank you for listening to the podcast today. But Brandon... I'm glad we're both here. We had a big night last night, both of us celebrating the Super Bowl, watching the Super Bowl, the granddaddy of them all, The to me, the biggest game of the year each and every year. Before we get into the podcast, so I got to ask you, how'd you like your Super Bowl festivities? Because you and me weren't in the same place. We were not in the same place. Um, it was fun. I had a, I had a really good time. Had a, had some people over to my place after going back and forth on, oh, is it going to be at so-and-so's place? Again? I go, you know, screw it. Just just come over here. Just come over to my place. Uh, so we had uh, plenty of people come. Well, not really. It wasn't a whole lot. It was just like eight. Um, but my apartment's not extremely big mm-hmm. to hold many more. Um, but uh it was it was fun. It was a good time, good food. Uh, but now I have uh, a t- too much beer in my fridge that other people brought. That's usually never a big problem. Though, eh, right? Not a big problem, but uh, you know, just like then you feel like you have to drink it, and you know all those calories, of course. Well, that's what it's all about packing in the pounds. But uh, <laughs> if you guys want to see, I don't have to tell Brandon about mine because you guys can see it on the YouTube. Either it's going to be right above me or right above Brandon. You can check out what I got to witness on Super Bowl Sunday as. I got to see the full spectrum of emotions from our own Sean Anderson. Now, were you happy? Outcome. Were you happy? I didn't care who won or lost. I mean, I'm happy for Tom Brady. And I love that. I love that if you have not watched the commercial that he did, I guess he recorded it beforehand. And at the end, he says, uh, Roger that. So I like that little jab at Roger Goodell. But Brandon, we've got to talk about getting into college sports. We got all college basketball today. We're, We're not looking at football. I mean... Joe Mixon, I thought he got invited. Apparently, he's not going to get invited to the Combine. That was a story I thought about for today, but it is all college basketball on the docket. We're going to look at two Illinois teams in the Fighting Illini and the Redbirds from Iowa State, and then we're going to start off the podcast here with the Oregon Ducks. They beat a team over the weekend in Arizona that you and me talked about, I think it was two weeks ago. We asked, oh, can Alonzo Trier help this team make a Final Four run? And one of the games we talked about was this Oregon game. And man, did Oregon make a statement in this one. After this game against Arizona, can this Oregon team, is this finally the year they make a run at the Final Four? Is this the year they do it? Well, this Oregon team certainly showed us uh, over the weekend that they have the tools to be able to do so and that they definitely can make a run. And I, and I think that when you beat a team uh, like like they beat in Arizona, the way they beat them, not close, not close. I remember looking at my phone and seeing 85 to 58, the final score, r- ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. I could not believe it. And I think that other people will probably, not, they will look at the Arizona game, and they will also look at some of the other games that Oregon has played. You look at, going back at the time, UCLA number two, they beat them by two points, 89-87. I think that you have to look at USC at the time, was 22, beat them 84-61. Uh, then they took care of business all the way through there. They lose to Colorado. 74-65, just beat Arizona State by a point, and then the blowout against Arizona. I think that this team right now, this this Oregon team, they they really don't have any flashy numbers, uh, in my opinion. I don't think they have a whole lot of flashy numbers. They just mm-hmm. seem to get the job done. And I think that for them right now, after that Arizona win, you have Arizona, now you have UCLA. And n- now I think, you know, Back-to-back tests like that, and UCLA, we've talked about UCLA a little bit. They had a Uh, buzzer-beater win over them in the last meeting this year. They're a very, very strong team. Um, Arizona, I still believe them to be a very strong team, but Oregon, coming out and beating them the way that they Mm -hmm. did, I think that you certainly have to look at the Ducks and go and ask the question, like you did to me, does this team have what it takes to make the Final Four? And if the team that showed up on Saturday against Arizona at home, 
granted at home, is the team that shows up for the rest of the season, this team isn't going to just make the Final Four. This team will win it all. Well, and this is a—I'm glad that you said that, that this is a team that will win it all because right now in Joe Lenardi's bracketology for tonight, February 6th, he's got Oregon locked up as a two-seed right now. He's got him as the two-seed in the West. The thing I was looking at earlier today, and I'm, this is going off of the point where you said they could win it all, going back to 2013. So 2013, 2014, 2015, and 2016. So the last four tournaments, there has been one thing in common when it comes to the team that knocked Oregon out. And that is, and this is something that you guys can put in your back of your brains for when you go to fill out your bracket. If you're beating Oregon in this tournament and you're knocking them out, you're going to the Final Four. I mean, 2013, they lose to Louisville. Louisville won it all that year. They lose to Wisconsin in the second round in 2014. That Wisconsin team goes to the Final Four. They lose to Wisconsin again in 2015. That Wisconsin team went to the national championship. And then last year, they lose to Buddy Heald in Oklahoma. That team goes to the Final Four. So if this team has been so good in recent years, if you're knocking them out, odds are you're going to the Final Four. And that's why I really came up with this. I, I thought about this question because this Oregon team has talent. I remember that Duke game last year in the tournament where, I mean, Coach K was talking up. He was talking up Booker in this game. And it was one of those things where it's like, this kid is going to be special. And it's one of those things where, and I, Brooks, not Booker, Brooks, where it was one of those things where this kid's going to be special. And Coach K even mentioned where it's like, he's good right now, just wait until next year. He's, that's the whole thing where it's like, what did you tell him when you shook his hand kind of a thing? Because there was that little showboating going on. But when he is on, when Brooks is on, this Oregon team can win every game. Like, I go to their last loss when they played on the road at Colorado. He went 2 of 6 in 31 minutes. If he shoots like that, obviously they're not going to win. But if he has his stellar games where he was, what, second in points in the Arizona win, then this Oregon team not only is going to win, they can go far. My only question with them, and this goes off of their tournament history, not off of their play this season, is when they get to the tournament, Usually what it is, and you can look for it for yourself, because every single team in the last four years has gone to the Final Four, they either in their second game or their first Elite Eight game, they lose. They lose to a team, a quality opponent. Like, I I don't remember if it was 14 or 15, but I had them knocking off Wisconsin. I want to say it was 15. I had them, the rematch from last year, they're going to meet, they're going to knock them off. Because of the three-point shooting, it didn't happen. So this Oregon team, like I sit here right now and I think this team has the talent, but can they do it? I have that little bit of doubt in my heart of hearts. They had 35 points coming off the bench, and Brooks was able to add 18 points. Now he's averaging 14, right around 14, a little over 14 a game. I think that if the Oregon Ducks can keep up with him maybe bumping that average a little bit more, 15, 16 points a game. Mm -hmm. If you can that, get that type of production off the bench of 35 points on the other side for Arizona, they got 16 points off the bench, 16 points, 12 of that being from Alonzo Trier. So I think that this Oregon Ducks team, if they can be very solid like that, and they, and they shot over their, their season average. I think they're only averaging like 78 points a game. Mm -hmm. They shot 80 they, they shot so well they got 85 points. And you did that against Arizona and you held them to under 60. So I think that there's something there's something special about the the the, the Oregon Ducks. I almost said the Arizona Ducks, that'd be wrong. <laughs> but the Oregon Ducks, there's something special about them because you don't just come out and you you blow out the number 5 team. That that number 5 team is darn good. You don't do that if you're a fluke. 
You don't do that if you're a fluke. You don't. Mm-hmm. And you don't do that if you're a fluke. You don't play the, the, the rest of the games like you do in your season if that's a fluke. You're not 21-3 and because it's a fluke. You're not 10-1 in your conference because it's a fluke. You are all of that because you are good. Now, Oregon, what they need to do is they need to be able to set themselves up for the tournament. That's all it comes down to. All of this, that's nice. That's nice. It's, it's this is homecoming. Mm-hmm. Prom is coming up though soon <laughs> at the end of the year. You need to be ready for that. Mm-hmm. That's what you need to be ready for. Well, you got to make sure you have your your dress picked out. You need to make sure you got the right bouquet of flowers. That dress you need is to make sure you too. got the boutonniere right. Can't have it be wrong. Everything's got to be right when you get to the big moment. All oh, your ducks got to be in order. They got to be in a row. Absolutely. See what I did there? See what I did? Oregon Ducks. Ducks. See what I, I did? Saw it. You didn't need to explain it. You've now ruined the but joke. The one thing to go off of that that I look at is their next two games, UCLA, USC, two things. Number one, both those games are on the road. Number two, you think that the Bruins and the Trojans don't have now that game circled because USC is sitting there saying, please, please don't let the Bruins beat you. Please, we want to be the ones to get the revenge first. They got two revenge games coming up on the road where if they can win these games and win them like they did against Arizona, then I will have more confidence going into the tournament because it's great to win at home, but those are the games you're supposed to win. It's the games on the road that show me, okay, if you can win in that environment, you can win on the road in the tournament. So you're going to think I'm crazy. Mm-hmm. And so are our, I usually our, do. So are our viewers. Just like you usually think I'm crazy. Biggest game coming up right now, Colorado. Because they lost to them. You lose to Colorado, an unranked Colorado team twice. That's that's not looking good. That's not looking good. And I say that that is the biggest game because, yes, you're going to get up and you're going to play for UCLA, number 10 team in the nation. You're mm-hmm. going to get up for them. USC, you're just gonna, you're going to get up for them because they're USC. Sometimes it might be hard to get up for Colorado because they are nothing special. They are nothing special compared to this Oregon Ducks team. And that's why I think Colorado is the most important game moving forward because you let that one slip compared to everything else. You got two you got two bad losses just from Colorado if they were to lose at home against well, them. And another thing, another thing that could implicate the and I'm looking towards conference tournament time. This could implicate the bracket right now, Oregon is tied with Arizona at ten and one, but because they beat them, they get the tiebreaker. So they have the number one overall seed if the Pac-12 tournament started today. And how the Pac-12 tournament bracket looks, if you guys are unaware, is if you're one of the top four teams, you get a one day bye. You don't play Wednesday, March eighth. You play Thursday, March 9th, and you got three wins to win the whole conference tournament for the Pac-12. All the other teams, 5 through 12, play that first game. And if they're the number one seed, that means they're going to play the winner of 8 and 9. Right now, that would be the winner of Washington State and Arizona State. However, depending on what those teams do towards the end, let's say they do lose to a Colorado again. They get upset. Colorado's sitting right behind Right behind ASU with one game. If I'm Air, if I'm Oregon, of course you want to be the number one seed looking out. You're not looking for other teams. But me being able to look at all the teams not having a dog in the race. If you lose to Colorado twice, you better hope. You better hope if you're a Duck fan that they are not going to be in that first round game that would lead to a second round game against you. Now, of course, you got to get you got to get things done when you play Colorado at home the second time, but they lose to them twice. Not only would that be a bad loss for Oregon, I would be worried if I had to see this team on the road in a neutral site in the conference tournament. Might be the ones to end my se- or end my regular season before the tournament, before Selection Sunday rolls around. 
No, I agree with you. I, and I think that, that that's just why that is that's the most important game in my mind right now. Because if you lose, if you lose to UCLA on the road, as long as it's not a bad loss in the sense of a point margin, mm-hmm. no one's going to look at that and go, "Eh, no, you know, you're 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 bad now." You're bad now because you already you beat them at home. You're on the road at UCLA, a team that's very good, you know, top 10 team right now. And I think that, you know, if that were to happen, no one's going to look at that and, and really hold that against you. But again, if you if you lose to Colorado mm-hmm. at home, yeah, the people are going to hold that one against you the big time. Because, again, like I said, that's it's now two times you lost to a Colorado team that right now is 13 and 11. I think they're three and eight within their conference. Mm-hmm. They're not very good. They're not a strong team. And if Oregon were to falter against them at home, that that just shows me, are, is that what's going to happen when you go up against a team like that in the tournament? A team that's, you know, a an, an 11 seed or something like that in the tournament that's 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 there, that's had an, that's had an okay season, obviously. They're an 11 seed. They're not a 16. They're, they're kind of in the middle-ish um, on the lower end of that, but... Are you going to be able to hang with them? Are you going to be able to take care of business mm-hmm. with them? There's upsets all the time. That's why we love it. That's why we love March. Literally nothing, no other reason why March happens other than March Madness. But I think that that's the point, is that games like that, mo- moving forward, Utah, Colorado, Cal, Stanford, and Oregon State, all those games, you take got to take care of all of them. Yeah, I think the Oregon State one we can blow, blow past. I mean— Zero and eleven in the conference, four and twenty overall. I think we can overlook never, that. Never one. can be too certain. <laughs> but 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 you see what I'm saying. Yeah. You see what I'm saying is that if you're you cannot saying, take care of business against a mediocre team now, who's who's to say you're gonna be able to do it when it really counts? And you gotta come up to play for every game. You can't take one off just because Oregon State's coming in without a single win in the conference and only four wins overall. The one thing I did want to mention is and this is going back to kind of the conference tournament. If I'm the Ducks right now, I am hoping, hoping that obviously you're trying to finish the season without losing. You want to keep the number one seed. But if I'm an Oregon Duck fan, I'm sitting here going, how the standings are in the top four right now, just keep it. Keep it the same way it is. Oregon at one, Arizona at two, UCLA at three, Cal at four. The reason why I say that is Oregon. Let's say they win that first game. Let's say the top four seeds all win. That means Arizona and UCLA would have to duke it out on one side. Oregon can get a team like Cal, who they beat pretty handily in their first meeting for that semifinal game. And if I'm a fan, I'm sitting there going, let the Wildcats and the Bruins duke it out. I'll take my chances with this with this Team X. And then whoever wins, I'll win my game. Whoever wins that game, I don't have to go through Arizona and UCLA in order to win this tournament. Because you look at the standings right now, and Cal and UCLA tied at 8-3, and three, so they could flip-flop. But then you've got USC and Utah a game and two games back. And for me, Utah's that team. That's the team I look at where... I don't want them on my side. If I'm Oregon, do not want them on my side of the bracket because of how closely they played the Ducks in their first meeting. And, of course, looking at the schedule, they are going to get a second meeting at home. That first meeting was on the road in Utah, but that's a team where I'm looking at going, I like as a fan, I'm saying, I don't want to deal with that heartbreak. I don't want to have to take two blood pressure pills for that game. No, I agree with you. I completely agree with you. I think that really when you when you look at this all the way through, the top six teams are teams that are pretty dangerous within the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously some have better conference records than others but you take a look at uh take a look at usc all four losses all in the conference so this is a team that has been able to play really really well outside of that when they've had to Uh, but but absolutely it's just going up to that that conference tournament time because you get around that time that is almost as important the play that you have there and the result that comes from that is almost as important as what comes from the big time national tournament because of the fact that if you do not play well in one to set yourself up for the other, I think so many times that really sticks with guys. I really do. I think it sticks with guys. I think it sticks in their craw and 
and absolutely that can hurt them down the road after that. So I think Oregon, they need to be able to play well now to position themselves to have a very, very nice tournament uh, within their conference. Well, and Brandon, before I ask you the last question I have about Oregon before we move on, is there anything about this Duck team that you feel like, you know, I, I'm keeping it in because I was waiting for Ricky to bring something up. Is there anything else you want to hit with this Duck team before I throw the final question at you? Just that I think that if, if this team continues to stay consistent like it has been, and it's been consistently good, I mean, again, really not too flashy in a whole lot mm-hmm. of things. I mean, their their best guy is, is you know, just averaging a little over uh, 14 points, and I feel like that's a little low. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but... Uh, I think that they keep doing what they're doing. Uh, They continue to have guys coming off the bench that are contributing each and every night. This team is going to be good. And I think that this team is going to be really set in position in a good spot to be able to make a run for both their uh, Pac-12 tournament and for the the national tournament. Well, that leads into the final question. I'm asking you to pull out your crystal ball. I'll pull mine out after you pull yours out. And... How do you see the rest of the regular season going for the Ducks? And how do you see the conference, just the conference tournament playing out for Oregon? Uh, rest of the season going for the Ducks. So, you know, I, I, I think that there will, be, there will be one more loss here. There will be one more loss, but just one more loss. So I think that will give them the 27-4 and four record. I think they'll probably end up taking the uh the two spot in in the in the conference and i think that they will then go from there into their pac-12 tournament and uh be able to run the table and get to the uh, championship game and before i get mine the one thing i did want to throw out how i said the 5-6 for usc and utah right now in the pac-12 if oregon is the number one seed they want utah in the sixth seed so that pushes utah to the other side of the bracket. I look at this, I look at the schedule remaining regular season, and I see some games that could be losses. This Thursday against UCLA. Then you've got Saturday against USC. I look at Utah, that could be a loss. I don't think they lose two times in a row to Colorado. Mainly it's their next it's their next three games. It's your next three is where one of the losses could happen. I'm gonna be bold though. I'm saying they win out. They're going to win out the regular season. They will go into the conference tournament as the number one seed. However, what I do have happening, because they beat UCLA, I think it's going to be Oregon at one, Arizona at two, USC or Cal at three. Don't know who I want to pick there. And then UCLA at four. So I think that... Oregon will not get their wish of let the Bruins and the Wildcats kind of duke it out and we'll play one of them. They'll have to maybe go through both UCLA and Arizona in order to win the Pac-12 Conference Tournament. But this is where you guys come in. Let us know down below what you guys think of the Oregon Ducks as they end this regular season and how far do you think they'll go in the tournament. And easy, here's another throwout question. If you don't think they're going to go all the way this season, tell me who the team is that's going to knock them out so I can pick them to beat Oregon and pick that team to go to the Final Four because that's what happens in the last four years for the Oregon Ducks. And, Brandon, we're going to move on into our next topic, and this one's going to be a hard one for me. You might see me cry if you're on YouTube. Probably not, but I'm going to be close. And uh, we're talking about my fighting Illini. Now, that'd for, be something. For the first time exclusively this year on the podcast, you might be saying, well, Ricky, why do you say for the first time? There's usually not much to talk about. We're not that good of a team, and it pains me to say we suck. Um, but the whole reason <laughs> we're talking about my team is uh, exactly what happens when teams suck, and uh, they think about firing their coaches. And... John Gross on the hot seat, obviously. We're talking about should he be fired after this season, Brandon. Just a little bit of his resume. Came in 2012-2013 season after he took the Ohio Bobcats to the NCAA Sweet 16. He goes to the second round, well, the third round, but really the second round of the um, NAIA, or not NAIA, NCAA National Tournament. 
loses to Colorado. That was a great year. That's the year Brandon Paul hit the buzzer beater over the Golden Gophers at the UC in our first round game of the Big Ten Conference Tournament. Then we go to the NIT, losing the second round in his second year. NIT finish again, losing the first round. I believe that was the one we lost to Clemson. And then we have last year, we're 15 and 19, 5 and 13, 12th in the conference, didn't do anything. And now we're 13 and 11, 3 and 8 this season. I'll be frank, should John Gross be fired from Illinois? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's simple. It's simple. He's 90 and 72 overall since coming to the Fighting Illini mm-hmm. back in 2012. But look at the record in the conference. It is atrocious. You are way under 500, mm-hmm. 32 and 51. Not competitive. I'll say it again not competitive at all within the conference. Your best, the best year you had within the conference was a 500 split at 9 and 9 in 2014 15. They went 19 and 14 that year, and they were out in the first round of the NIT. Who cares about that? Nobody. You're right. There are even no te- one. There are even teams that get bids to the NA or the NIT, and then they don't accept it because they say screw it. Like our players don't want to play for it. The team that wins doesn't care. They're like, we won. Cool. We don't care. That's how much they don't care. But I I think that the problem with Illinois, everything really, right now, um, it's stale. It's stale. There's no life in it. There's nothing going on. And I think that that's the problem. And I think that mediocre has become, oh, I sound like I'm talking about the White Sox. (laughs) Mediocre has become something that is okay. You know, I mean, but they're less than mediocre. They're worse than mediocre, and that's not good. And I think that Mm -hmm. Illinois, they just need something else to revitalize them. I I mean, I'll tell you what, though. I I think that it's really interesting when, what was it? Back in the day, back in the day, John Gross, and I'm not saying that that he was bad, but Shaka Smart and Brad Stevens, both of them didn't even want the job. They didn't I, even want the Illinois job. I wanted Shaka Smart so bad. I wanted him so badly. He was the guy I wanted. And then John Gross came, and I'm like, you know what? Let's give him a chance. But now after this, it's like, how have you been? How did you even keep the job for this season? And here's the thing is that they were 12-0 and to start out in 2012. They won the Maui Invitational. They beat Butler in that championship game. They they had something going back then, but think about that. But it that. wasn't that's his like, recruits. That's like I know, but think about that. That's like five years ago. Yeah, that was Bruce Weber. Like, and that's my big thing with John Gross. And I, I I love John Gross. His press conferences. He's a coach that knows what to say. He's a great guy. He's a family guy. Like he looks like a guy where like if I went out to dinner with him, it'd be a good dinner. We'd have some good conversations. I have nothing against the man, but it's one of those things where. You haven't been able to win in the key situations. We had a must win this past week against Minnesota, and we lost. It, it seems like every year we get those. Minnesota, Nebraska, um, who else? Just the bottom teams that are fighting with us to try to get to, just try to claw our way up Northwestern before this year, before they magically became better than us. We'd have close games and more likely lose. But the thing with that 2012 season that eats at me, that wasn't his recruits. Brandon Paul wasn't his recruit. And ever since, we look at his classes, and it's one of those things where his first recruiting class, Kendrick Nunn, Malcolm Hill, Austin Colbert, Maverick Morgan, and Jalen Tate. Right now, Jalen Tate is averaging 17.2 minutes and is scoring 2.7 minutes per game. And you're sitting there going, well, Ricky, now we've got Coleman Lands and Tracy Abrams. The Tracy Abrams injury didn't help. But still, he was supposed to be a quality point guard. Malcolm Hill on the team, he's the star of this team right now with 17 points. But Kendrick Nunn, he was supposed to be like the Batman and Robin to Malcolm Hill. Gets kicked off the team. Now he's in Oakland. Transferred to Oakland. 
So he's no longer on the team. You go ahead and bring in Darius Paul. He's no longer on the team. He's in the freaking conference I mentioned earlier in the NAIA. He's not even playing NCAA football or NCAA basketball anymore because he couldn't stay on the court. I mean, you bring in guys like LaRon Black, who right now he's contributing, I mean, only 8.9 points per game, but at least he's out there. He wasn't out there when we first got him, when we first brought him in. That was like Fink, that was the Finky LaRon Black class, but really it's been the recruits that he's brought in, have either they haven't been on the court or they, they get kicked off the team. You're not going to win if that happens. You're just not going to win. And that's the big, that's my big criticism is his recruits haven't panned out like we had hoped. Well, I think another problem is the fact when your points per game is 73 and a half points per game and you allow 71.3 points per game, you're not going to win mm-hmm. with literally hardly any gap in between. I, I, I think that this this Illinois team, it used to be, I mean, Ricky, you and I both remember when it was fun to watch them. You know, I I won't profess to be some huge Illinois fan, not like you in any in any sense. You know, if they do well, I I happy, cool, mm-hmm. wonderful, jump on the bandwagon. But um, when you know, I was a kid, you know, they were I, really know, fun got, to watch. You know, I've got different teams, but well, you I, got Alabama. I, I I think that um, you got dynasties to worry about. I I think <laughs> I think that um. The the thing with them is they just they need a change. They need a change, and they need to be able to go after a guy who's going to come in here, who's going to bring some life to this program. And by life, it goes right to what you're saying. It mm-hmm. goes to the heart of the problem. Bring in some guys who are going to give you that life. You can't go and, and, and be this coach that does all these things right and everything like that and can be good in a press conference after a loss. I, I think that you need to be able to be a guy who's also going to go out there and find quality guys who can come in here and make a difference for your program, not even just this year, but three years down the road, when you're going to need him three years down the road because as a coach, that's what you have to be looking at. You can't just be looking at this year. If you're only looking at this year, you're not Mm -hmm. a very good coach because you don't obviously see the big picture because he needs to be able to bring in guys who are going to help you. I'm not saying build a dynasty, but – Who's going to help you build a program? And right now, Illinois, they are stale. They are so stale. They they are the chips that you have left in the cupboard since 1990. Those mothers are stale. So I think that you need to go out and get some guys who are going to breed the life that your head coach, hopefully your new head coach, mm-hmm. is going to want to breathe into your team. You have to set that example. You have to set that from the beginning, that we are going to be a good team. It may take a little bit, but by year three, have a three, four-year plan. By year three, we're going to be there. By year three, ranked team, we're going to beat them. By year four, we're going to be that ranked team. you got to have this plan. So far, under John Gross, outside of 2012-2013, Illinois has been doing this. It's kind of right in the middle. Just right in the middle, going nowhere, going nowhere, getting worse. Not good. Not good. It's not what you want. Well, and the one thing I will say is, and this goes off of your, um, the part where you said have a plan. And the one thing I will say, and this is probably the only thing I will say to defend John Gross in this entire conversation is he had a plan. He had an idea of what he wanted to do. I mean, you can see through his recruiting class, he's tried to build a pipeline between Simeon and Illinois. And if you know Chicago basketball, I looked at that and I went, okay, good. Simeon's a mecca for college, for basketball players. Even if we don't get the star of that team, even the second and third best player on that team could at least try to help us. But the big thing that wasn't able to pan out was we weren't able to get the guys who were the big stars from Chicago. The first recruiting class that John Gross had, Jabari Parker went to play with Coach K, snubbed the Illini. And I mean, in that one, you could probably say, well, John Gross came in, didn't have enough time to even recruit Jabari. That next year, though, 
In, in honesty, though, really quickly, just jump in. Mm-hmm. That'd be one year you had him. Yeah. He wouldn't have done anything but much still, anyways. He, he's a NBA type of talent. Yeah, yes, I Even know. Even the yes. next year, you could have brought in, you could have went after Jaleel Okafor from Whitney Young and Cliff Anderson. And I know Cliff Anderson, screw that guy, because he did the asshole move of, oh, I'm going to commit to, uh, nope, going to take the Kansas hat. And he never saw, he barely saw the court. So, I mean, it's one of those things where you're like, Ricky, why are you telling him to screw yourself? He didn't really play that much. But you could have had, like, you could have went after Jaleel Okafor. You could have went after Cliff Alexander. I know Cliff Alexander was the one we really went for. And at least our, you could say, well, at least your hat was on the table. I don't give a crap that my hat was on the table. The hat wasn't on the head. And that's all that mattered to me. Where did he go? These are guys like Jaleel Okafor now playing in the NBA. Jabari Parker now playing in the NBA. Those guys could have been the ones to kickstart this team because the big thing that recruits care about, especially in basketball, because you brought it up, you wouldn't only hand them for one year. These big recruits are looking and going, can I win here? Nope, I'm going to go somewhere I can because it's a one-year plan with those big recruits. Most of them, it's a one-year plan. And I think that that is something, you know, with something like that. And, and, and you know, a lot of times uh, an Illinois, an, a lot of times an Illinois is just not going to get that big recruit. Not right now. Not right now. They're no, not. You got to build. I realize you got to build and, and, but, a program. But, but see, that's the thing, though, is that we for the last couple to. of years, there's been nothing being built. I to. mean, as and, and as a huge Illinois fan. Are you seeing Ill- anything being built? Are you no. seeing anything being built? Is that's there any the structure? Is there any infrastructure that's even there in place nope. where you can see, okay, you know what? It's taken longer than we thought, but in, in two years, three years, we can be there. Are I, you see, do you see that at all? Not at all, and that's the problem. There's nothing being built. And the one thing I want to throw out there is I think the basketball team needs to, and A.D. Whitman needs to take a page that he used from the football book. I know that Tim Beckman and uh, that whole situation was a little bit different. We had, in that situation, the abuse of players being thrown out there. But even with Cubit, who replaced him as the interim for one year, what did they do? They got rid of Bill Cubit, brought in Lovey Smith, said, we're going to bring in a guy who can recruit, will go to Chicago and recruit, and now look at everywhere. We see the billboards that say, hashtag, we will win. That's what I want to see. I want to see that. But you got to bring in those recruits, Lovey. You got to do that. The one thing that I kind of am hoping happens, and I want Illinois to do it, I would love if the Bulls parted ways with Fred Hoiberg this season and Illinois said, bye bye gross, and bring Fred Hoiberg into Illinois. Well, in all honesty, I will be completely honest with you and say that I absolutely could see that happening because there is so much turmoil right now with the Chicago Bulls and so many people saying Fred Hoiberg just just didn't make it in the mm-hmm. NBA go back and you know what maybe you can become the new mayor of Illinois um, well they could mm-hmm. use one um, but uh, in Chicago for sure but I, I think that uh, I think that could use a new governor too but we don't talk politics I, I think no not a political show not nope. yet I'm just kidding but <laughs> I, I think that uh, that's not so far-fetched it's not Mm -hmm. so far-fetched but but you would need to sell him you would need to give him basically everything that he wants but at the same time you know what he can do if he gets those type of things and he has the tools to do it i'm looking at everyone everyone knows everyone knows or should know what he did in his story in history at iowa state what he was able to build there a whole lot 115 and 56 49 and 39 in a tough Big 12 conference. I mean, he finished 12th that first year in the conference, then third, fourth, third, and second, and went to the round of 32 twice, lost in the first round his last year, and went to the Sweet 16 once. And those last two years, that Iowa team was conference tourney champs in the Big 12. So, I mean, that's what I'm looking at early on, is I'm hoping that, Fred Hoiberg is available and that Illinois goes after him because some something needs to change, Brandon. It's one of those things where, and I love how you mentioned earlier, wow, it feels like I'm talking about the White Sox. That's exactly what I feel. Like the one thing I will admit, and it pains me to say this, I have not watched 
many Illinois basketball games this season. You want to know why? I don't want to cry. I don't want to cry this season. It's one of those things where, like, what the what I'm seeing on the court, it's, you know what? I'll watch something else. I'll check the box score later. Got my hand on the pulse, but I'm not actually actually watching it because of what kind of a product I am seeing on the court right now. It's not a good one. Like I said, I like John Gross. I think he's a great guy. I don't think it's working out here. I do not think the recruits haven't panned out. Like I said, Darius Paul, not even on the team anymore. Got in trouble off the court. LaRon Black, although he's on the court now, he didn't have too much of success early on as he had some issues coming in. Kendrick Dunn, who's no longer with the team, he's now in Oakland. I know what you're saying. You're probably sitting there of Ricky. We had the Tracy Abrams injury didn't help. We had another player last year, a big guy that I can't remember his name, that got injured. He got injured in one of our non-conference tournaments earlier in the year. I want to say it was against Baylor or around that time where we had lost him for the majority of the season. And it's like, it feels like when this team gets a big recruit and we get excited about something, the rug just gets pulled out from underneath us and we're flat on our asses. And I don't like that feeling. There needs to be a change. I think it should be Fred Hoiberg. I hope it's Fred Hoiberg. He's got to get fired from the Bulls first. But before we wrap this up, what are your final thoughts on the Illinois situation and should John Gross be fired? You almost always, except for those few situations where the person really needs to be let go because either they're not doing their job, they've done it poor, they've done it very poorly, mm-hmm. just haven't taken enough, um, I think, pride in what they're doing. Outside of that, you don't like to see someone get fired because there's so many things that go into that outside of seeing just someone go bye-bye. Um, but uh, I, I think that right now it has not worked. It has not worked. I think John Gross should be uh, relieved of his duties um, because things just aren't working out. I think Illinois needs to go in a different direction. That's only if they want to be good. I think if they really want to be good and they want to be able to make a statement to their fans, to their fan base, and uh, pretty much to the Illinois Fighting Illini community that, hey, you know what? We're going to be committed to excellence. We're going to be committed to winning, and it starts today. They, They do get rid of Gross. They bring in somebody who is going to be able to do that job and be able to get them to the point that they need to be mm-hmm. because Illinois basketball, like Illinois football, has been very hard to watch for, for far too long, especially for Illinois fans that have been following it, that have been around it, and that have been wanting to see it change for a long time. Their administration owes the fans that they need to do it. Well, and I'm going to sign this off in this segment. Let us know down below what you guys think. If you are part of Orange and Blue Nation – let us know what you think. Should John Gross be fired? One thing I do want to say, and this goes off of what you were saying earlier about the mediocrity thing. I have an article here that I wanted to pump from a good friend of mine, Reese Woodcock, the lead editor of Writing Illini, a site that I used to write for, has a tremendous article about how it's time to move on from John Gross. But the next article that you look at, you want to know what the headline reads? Illinois basketball, the king of mediocrity under John Gross. You're not the only one, Brandon, that is seeing the mediocrity, but you guys let us know down below what you guys think. And Brandon, that's going to bring us into our final discussion here on the podcast. And Redbird fans from Normal, Illinois, thank you for joining us for uh, this segment of the Primetime Podcast. First time we're talking about the Redbirds here on the podcast, Illinois State, and this is a team that has kind of taken as of late the NCAA by storm. They're a team that's 11-1 and tied at the top of the Missouri Valley Conference. They lost to Wichita State this past weekend. They beat them earlier this year. Had a win streak of 13 games, I want to say, snapped by the Shakas this past weekend. And, Brand, I'm going to get right into it. The question is, could or can the Illinois State Redbirds be this year's Cinderella when we get to March Madness? And, Ricky, the answer to that is absolutely they can because who was a Cinderella team, in a sense, last year that came out of the same conference? Hmm, I'm going to say, and this is all a fake ruse because I know what he's thinking, uh, Northern Iowa? 
Is that who you're thinking about? How did you guess? It's just How like the color of his shirt. Guess. As purple as the color of his shirt. So so absolutely, absolutely Illinois State can because it it was Northern Iowa last year and and honestly a couple of years ago, Wichita State. Wichita mm-hmm. State big time, you know, came out of came out of nowhere, made an outstanding run, and they've been pretty consistently good since them and honestly hats off to them because they have they have been very very good 21 and 4 this year again tied atop the standings in the MVC but I think the Illinois State definitely can do it they can be that team this year certainly out of this conference and I think that what they need to do is looking at the the remaining schedule their last two games against Evansville and Indiana excuse me it's against uh, Northern Iowa. I was completely mm-hmm. off on those. It was it's against Southern Illinois and Northern Iowa. I think the the game against Southern Illinois that that should that should be a pretty simple win. Northern Iowa. Sorry, Steve Maves, one of our uh, loyal fans. He's down there at uh, Southern Illinois. So sorry, Steve, for uh, saying the Redbirds are going to beat the Salukis. Yeah, I, I mean, I just. <laughs> the, 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 yeah, uh, Southern Illinois. I mean, they're they're fourteen and eleven. Seven and five in the conference, but I just I just see Illinois State the way that they've been going, this run that they've been on, mm-hmm. I, I I just do not see them losing there. I I think that Bradley and Drake, I I, I definitely think that both of those teams are gonna well, fall to Illinois State. When the only two teams that I would be worried about, Missouri State, and then the next one that they play after Missouri State, and that's Loyola-Chicago. Well, and I mean, when you look at the last meetings, I would even say Loyola-Chicago, I wouldn't even put them on that list. Like, Loyola-Chicago and Bradley and Drake, look at the last meetings. They beat Loyola 81-59, to and that was on the road. They beat Bradley by 20, that was on the road. And then they beat Drake 72-58, to yeah, that was at home, this next one's going to be on the road. Really, I look at Missouri State... They went to overtime to win that one by three. I mean, Southern Illinois played them close, only a seven-point victory for the Redbirds in that game. And then you look at Northern Iowa, it took a six-point win to get that one all the way on February 1st because you know that was such a long time ago. Those are the three games I'm looking at, Missouri State, Southern Illinois, Northern Iowa. And the thing with this team is I even looked to the tournament last year to see if they can be a Cinderella. Do you do you remember how many double seat like double digit teams we had at least move on to the second round? In the South region, we had number 13 Hawaii. They beat Cal in the first round. Then you had Wichita State not only win their play-in game in Dayton, they went on and beat Arizona in the first round before losing to the Miami Hurricanes. Then in the West Regional, we had Yale beat Baylor and almost beat Duke. Then we had Northern Iowa beat Texas and pretty damn near almost beat the Texas A&M Aggies. Then VCU go ahead, beat Oregon State, and then almost beat Buddy Heald and the Sooners. There's a lot of them. Stephen F. Austin from last year, their game against West Virginia. And then the last three that we, four that we have, I mean, Little Rock, Gonzaga, Syracuse, and remember Mid-Tennessee State beating Michigan State? Because I do. Because I had Michigan State going pretty damn far. I had them going all the <laughs> damn way. It was terrible. Oh. So, yes, I, I I absolutely see what you're saying. I think that you also have to take a look, too. So this this uh, Illinois State team, they beat they beat uh, Wichita State 76-62 to earlier in the season. And then, again, just... This past game mm-hmm. lost to them, eighty-six to forty-five. So that's why I think you take a look at again Wichita State, very very good team. You look at the rest of these games, Drake and Bradley. Those are the, definitely the two games that I think that they will win easily. Mm-hmm. Twenty-one and five, just putting them there already. Twenty-one and five, and then you've got four more games following that. Even if you went twenty-one and nine. I still think that you have a very, very good opportunity to be able to go to the tournament. 
I, I, I think it's especially if you can make some noise in the MVC tournament. Right now, it is interesting because I just looked at Joe Lenardi's bracket, and he's got the Redbirds as one of the last four in, which right now they are slated in his bracket to be, it'd be them and Seton Hall playing in Dayton on the first night of games in order to play number five Duke in the, what re, what region would that be? The Midwest region. So, I mean, of course, Joe Lenardi isn't the, like, oh, everything he says is what the committee's going to say. He is the end-all, be-all. But it's one of those things where Joe Lenardi's pretty close, and I trust his um, judgment when it comes to these things. So, right now, they need to close the season out strong because you don't want to say, ah, oh, we're, we're fine with putting our putting our hands in the state of the committee. I mean, even CBS has them as a 12th seed Right now, they have them playing a fifth-seeded Butler team in the Midwest region as well. So right now, sitting there in that 12th-seeded range, if if they can go ahead and win most of these games, I'd say maybe of the three that we um, thought they might lose, if they could just lose maybe one of those at the least, set them up for a solid tournament run. Because right now, with how the with how their conference tournament would work is how it works is if you're one through it's one two three everyone but eight nine seven and ten so basically seven through ten you got to play a first game on march 3rd it was last year you got to play a first round game everyone else gets a bye then you move on and then it's three games to the finals right now they would be the number two seed so it would be they'd be on the opposite side of Wichita State. They don't want to fall too far because, to me, if I think they're going to have the best chance to go to the tournament, they have to make sure that they are on the opposite end of Wichita State. They don't want to see Wichita State before that MVC final. One of the things I'm saying, though, is that even if they were to win those two and kind of do what I said, win those two against Drake and against Bradley and then lose the next four, I do not think they're going to lose the, their last four games. I just mm-hmm. don't think that's going to happen. They also but if have they four w- players in double digits this year scoring. Four players. That's impressive. Wow. Very impressive. It's four of their five starters are in double digits each and every game. I think that even still, if they were to lose those last four games, mm-hmm. they would still have a chance. They would still have a chance just because of how well they've played this season. Well, and the the thing that I thought of, and this is the question I'll throw out there, and one of the reasons why I kind of threw this out to see if you wanted to talk about it today on the podcast was I'm going to take it a step further. Could could Illinois State, because of that 13-0, like that 13-game win streak that we saw, and the one thing that when I saw, oh, I can't remember who it was on SportsCenter, named them one of the stars of the game, or stars of the show last week, they had mentioned that there's one player on Illinois State, and if you're a Redbird fan, tell me down below in the comment section because I know you guys know I just am blanking on his name. Basically what happened is one of the assistant coaches had died in a plane crash, and he's been wearing the assistant's shoes in games, and before this past Wichita State game, ever since he's laced up the shoes from December 25th, they had won every game. Like I said, this last Wichita State was the first one. With that being in there, that kind of like we're playing it for an honor of him, could this, I'm taking it to the next level, could this Redbird team be the next George Mason? Could they be that much of a Cinderella this year to where they're a Final Four team? That is hard to predict. Most most likely not going to happen. But... Anyone and now all Redbird who would have been hate Brandon. <laughs> no, 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 no. They shouldn't because uh, most likely just, at that throwing, at I'm the same time that we're talking right now, mm-hmm. however many years ago that was, people would be saying the same thing. No way, George Mason's going. There's no way if, if someone even asked him because they would, didn't have him on the radar. No, George Mason is probably not going to be a Final Four team. Most people would say no. George Mason is not even going to make it out of the first round. You never know. You never know, and that's why it's so exciting. But I think that this this Redbird team has had the taste, has had the taste, especially with Wichita State being in their conference. They played them well the first game. 
They did not play him well the second game. And if everything works out the way it should for Illinois State, they most likely are going to be seeing Wichita State in the finals of the MVC tournament. Man, looking bad. I just pulled that up. That was 2006. That was my sophomore year of high school. My gosh. That was my sophomore year of high then school. Then I must have been two years old because you're like 40, right? No, no, no. You're only oh. three years younger than I. So what? That would have put you seventh grade. That was your seventh grade I still grade remember year. it. I still remember that. I do that. too. Like looking back at the teams they beat, by the way, to put it back to our last seg- segment, Illinois was in that tournament. Um, Guess what seed they were? A four seed. So uh, just kind of uh, how far that team has fallen. But George Mason, they beat. A num- they were 11 seed, by the way. Very comparable to what Illinois Very State much so. could be. Very much so. They beat Michigan State by 10 in that first game. That was the sixth seed. The number three seeded Tar Heels by five. Then they go ahead and beat the seventh seeded Shockers, 63 to 55. Then go on to upset the number one UConn Huskies in overtime by two points. And then they went ahead and lost to that Florida team that eventually won it all. I want to say that was the Joakim Noah Florida team. Oh, yeah. That won it all against UCLA. But, uh, yeah, no, that was, God, that was a great year. That was, like, that was the year where I remember them on SportsCenter going, and there's the one kid that has a perfect bracket in the Final Four because he threw George Mason in there because he said, what the hell is basketball? But uh, basically, like, this Redbird team, I'm not, I'm going to be the same as you. I'm not going to say, like, they're the next George Mason. Book it. Final four. But, no, this team, I feel like if they can get on a roll, and we've seen it already, they won 13 straight. If they can get on a roll, there's no reason they can't. Uh, all you got to do in the tournament, get on a little bit of a rolly roll, upset a team or two, then anything is possible. And be a little lucky. And be a little. Lady Luck loves to rear her head around March. I think it's something about St. Patrick's Day and Luck of the Irish, and it all just kind of forms together in this nice tornado so, hurricane So are you thing. saying that Notre Dame will have a pretty good chance this year? Mm, maybe. <laughs> maybe. It take it take it would take a lot for that to happen. So I definitely think I think I, I think Illinois State, I think where they are right now, I think that they really they really do with these games remaining. Mm-hmm. They control their own destiny. I mean, they really, really do. They have an opportunity right here to I mean, hell, if they could win out, how about that? That'd be something. That would be something special. I also think that this team definitely has what it takes to be able to do well in the MVC tournament. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I just remember watching that tournament last year and watching the University of Northern Iowa and what they were able to do and what they were able to to accomplish and then accomplish in the tournament, being able to put a little bit of a staple for themselves in there because, you know what, people started to watch them. People started to root for them. I started to root for them. I think that Illinois State could possibly be that team. Well, and before we move on to the... Last thing we do on the podcast, I'm answering the question. I think that this team, I want to say that they will lose one game. They're going to lose to Northern Iowa in the regular season, and I think we're going to get a Wichita State and Redbird NVC final. I think that Illinois State will not be a 12th seed. They will move up, maybe be a 10th seed at best, but probably lock in as an 11th seed this season. But I do think that they. this is a team that expect them, especially that first weekend, to make a little bit of noise in the NCAA tournament for 2017. But Brandon, as we do for every single podcast, what are Swanee's final thoughts? Well, for most of you who hopefully and most likely watch the Super Bowl over the weekend, the New England Patriots had... One of the biggest comebacks I've ever seen in sports. Down 28-3 to at one point. Down 28-9 to at another point in the second half. And it looked like all was lost. And it was not. And Tom Brady was able to come back and do what he needed to do with the help of Atlanta's poor play calling and really awful defense. And he was able to bring himself... And the Patriots, a a fifth Super Bowl, a fifth Super Bowl title in the last 10 years. It's been more than that. The first one was, what, 2000, 2001? 
16 years. Either way, it's disgusting, but I love it at the same time. I I think that this year in sports has been absolutely outstanding, Ricky. We talked mm-hmm. about it. The New England Patriots with their, with their comeback. Year. The Chicago Cubs with their comeback in the playoffs. The Golden State had it in the bag. Ooh, Cleveland, Cleveland came still. back with their comeback. That still hurts. And then the final one, Villanova over North Carolina. Villanova, hova. And that final, that final shot to do it. This has been an outstanding year of sports when you kind of wrap it up all pa- all packaged together with the New England Patriots doing what they just did. It has been a lot of fun, and that is why we love sports, for the dramatics, never knowing what could happen. That is why you cannot count out anybody when it gets to tournament time in the NCAA tournament because absolutely anything. If this last year in sports has taught us anything, anything can happen. Well, and this is where we sign off. I'm actually watching it right now. Go check out... What the full spectrum of emotion was for Sean Anderson, if you missed it, on our MVP Snapchat. We were doing it all night. Sean Anderson put a compilation of that video up on our YouTube channel. I have to give the warning, though. It is not safe for work, and it has a few expletives, so you have been warned. I want to thank you guys for either listening or watching the Primetime Podcast today. Make sure you go hit us up on Twitter at Young underscore Swan 19, at Ricky Widmer, at Most Valuable Pod. Make sure to check us out on Patreon, patreon.com backslash Most Valuable Podcast. You like what we're doing, you want to help us out in one way or another, one single dollar could get you an exclusive Patreon podcast each and every month from the MVP guys. I want to thank you guys one last time for watching and listening, and as always, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.